0: hello canucks fans welcome into episode 154 of the canucks speakeasy podcast i'm pete and i'm doug and uh, we got a four-game flight busy schedule so let's get right into that
1: <sighs> i'm a little under the weather but i'll give it my best shot uh the Canucks hosted the New York Islanders and the much-anticipated return of Bo Horvat to Vancouver. It was a very entertaining game. The final score was 4-3 with an overtime victory for the Canucks. Brock Besser had a three-point night, as did Quinn Hughes, who also scored the overtime winning goal. JT Miller also had a goal and two assists.
0: Very next night, less than 24 hours later, the Canucks are in Calgary, fall 5-2 to the Flames. A couple of Swedes with the goals, Hauglinder and Pedersen. Uh, a tough game to watch. The team just kind of got more and more tired as it went on. Someone told me, hey, even Shorty sounds tired tonight. I, I thought that was that was pretty apt.
1: That trend continued against the Seattle Kraken, as again, like you pointed out, Pete, the Canucks just looked like the tired team out there. They did make a very late comeback attempt and had a couple of chances to maybe tie this game and send it to overtime. But unfortunately, they did fall short in regulation. Tyler Myers had two assists in this game. Um, JT Miller potted another goal, as did Quinn Hughes, and Nils Hoglander was the guy who scored that late goal to make things somewhat interesting. And then the Canucks head
0: back home and play the San Jose Sharks. They beat 10-1 last time. They beat them 3-1 this time. Quinn Hughes with a multi-point effort to, again, retake the scoring lead in the NHL. Lafferty and Miller with goals as well. Teddy Bluger with his first point as a Canuck picking up an assist as well. Um, Doug, yeah, lots going on here. It's just the two of us this week. Uh, No, Brendan. Brendan is off uh, this week. uh, So... Oops, you just stuck with uh the old school appearance here it's pete and doug again
1: yeah and uh i'll be off next week as well as i'm heading down to san francisco for work so it'll be a two-man crew next week as well and yeah i think this is the first episode of just me and you this season oh actually that's not true the first couple episodes remember Brennan was supposed to join us and yeah he was having some technical difficulties so
0: yeah yeah that's our, our first one in a, in a little while and uh and there'll be a little bit of bouncing around. I know uh obviously I'm away for a bit of January, but we'll we'll worry about that when uh when we get there. Uh folks, in the meantime, you can follow us online. I'm at Pete underscore gas. The podcast
1: is at Canuck Speak. Uh you can give me a follow online at Doug Ven and be sure to check out the Canuck Speakeasy outro playlist, both on Spotify and Apple Music. Uh we'll be adding another funky jam to the playlist at the end of this episode. And also, if you want to give Brendan a follow on Twitter, he's
0: at Jabo underscore Vancouver. And also, we're on YouTube. And so, if you're there, please give us a like, subscribe. We appreciate it as we try and grow it there. Just another place for y'all to get some Canucks content and see our beautiful faces all right Doug it's a busy schedule Uh, it continues this is um, this is a pretty condensed tough stretch that just keeps on going here I mean uh, we got three games in four nights if we just had four games in six nights uh, it's a lot happening here with uh, the Canucks so since we last recorded they split the games two and two I will say the two wins I was at both of those uh, my first two games of the season I was at the Islanders and the Sharks game and before we get into uh, what the team is doing I just want to give a nod to uh, to Rogers Arena so far, which is something I haven't done for a while. It's actually fun in there to watch games again. And again, I was there for two wins. And of course, the Islanders game was pretty exciting. But there's a lot more life in there. Um, obviously, that comes from the team playing better. But um, uh, that Islanders game in particular, really fun atmosphere. And I hope that translated through on, on TV.
1: Yeah, it, it, I mean, I watched that game at home. And obviously, it was there was tons of atmosphere. There was... Will we, will we not boo Bo? Bo ended up scoring a goal for the Islanders, which I think was really nice to see. It was nice to see Bo before the game skating, seeing some of the signs from fans saying how much they appreciated him and he was kind of welling up a little bit. And then they played the tribute video for him and he got a little welled up with that, which is great. I mean, I think he with all the criticism that some Canuck fans might have towards Bo in his game, I don't think he, it was his fault that he left Vancouver. I don't think he wanted to leave Vancouver. I think he wanted to stay and be the captain and this management group decided to go in another uh, direction. And then the other thing, Pete, you kind of glossed over last night. Uh, royalty was in the building. you were in that game as well. Uh, that lovely was kind of lovely. jubbly.
0: Deal.
1: Yes. Uh, <laughs>
0: very lovely. Indeed. Uh, quite, quite. Um, yes. That was, that was a, a fun surprise. You know, it's funny. It's the first, when uh, the Duke came out, my first thought, this is going to sound terrible. was like, Oh, it's one of the impersonators. Cause I was thinking of like the Michael Jackson photo, <laughs> you know, that famous photo of Michael yeah, Jackson yeah. dropping the puck. And I was like, oh, why do we like, uh, I was like, Oh no, it's actually, uh, it's actually him. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was, that was kind of funny. There was literally high pitched shrieking in the building when, uh, that when they showed him <laughs> and Megan later, like there's cheers for games. And then there was like, this was like another couple of, of decibels in, in, octaves up uh with the, the shrieking for that that was that was pretty funny um bo horvet as well though awesome standing ovation at the first tv timeout which is how the canucks always do it um, really cool. I, I mean, I said before the game, I'm not going to boo Bo. I got nothing against Bo. I mean, certainly there was things in his game that were lacking, but he's still a fine hockey player. Um, I'm not angry about the decision to move on from him. I think it was the right move to, to do so. I mean, we can't be paying Bo Horvat eight and a half million dollars on this team anyways. So, you know, I think it was, it was good. I'm happy with the return. I'm happy with how they flipped it for Hironic. I'm one of those guys who likes that deal and liked it at the time. So I got nothing against Bo. Uh, and remember, he was a captain of this team. He played what ten seasons with this team? Like he was here for a while, maybe nine seasons. I can't remember. Four hundred twenty points. I always remember that four twenty. I mean, that's the way you want to <laughs> leave the captain, hitting uh, the four twenty point mark. Um, uh, but yeah, so I got an autograph picture of him on my wall. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna boo the guy. I, um, I, but I also think, you know, time to move on. I think it was the right choice to move on. I think it's probably the best for Bo as well. In, in a lot of ways, I think, you know that. Get him uh, uh the second half of his career go somewhere else and and to it up, and the islanders are my East Coast team, so I'm all right with that,
1: yeah, and I think the big issue with Bo, I think, was the comments he made last year when the Islanders were pushing for a playoff spot, and he made some comments that seemed to slight the fans in Vancouver. Um, I don't think it was meant to be directed towards the fans. I think it was more directed at management, but it was a poor choice of words, and I think for a lot of Canuck fans, Bo never showed that kind of character. You know what I mean? He was always very Mm -hmm. soft-spoken and kind of guarded. And to see that personality come out, you know, was kind of nice, you know, whether or not you thought it was a cheap shot at the fans. I don't think it was necessarily a cheap shot at the fans, but I understand, you know, why fans might've felt a certain way after hearing those comments. But yeah, like you said, you know, being able to flip Horvat into a a pretty decent prospect in Aturati, who's playing better and better down in Abbotsford at the moment. And then obviously the Philip Hironic trade. And my issue with the Philip Haronic trade wasn't necessarily the first round pick. It was actually the second round pick. That's Mm -hmm. what I didn't like about that trade. But you know what? I mean, we've got arguably the best defense and pairing in all the NHL at the moment. Um, Hironic looks like he fits like a glove on this team. And, you know, right now you, you talked about the atmosphere in the building. It's winning solves everything right i mean even back in the dregs of arizona coyotes you know when they were winning and there wasn't too many seasons when they were but you know a couple of those years when they were winning the likes of shane doan was on the team and nikolai Habibulin. people would go to the games people would pay and you know you see that across the board there's very few franchises maybe the yankees the cowboys You know, where fans still don't show up for games, despite how bad the team is and the atmosphere. I think I haven't been to a game so far this year I'm going to be going to the game with you, Pete. Uh, I believe it's December 5th against the New Jersey Devils. And I'm really looking forward to the Hughes v Hughes v Hughes. Yes, that's three Hughes's (laughs) uh, game and just the atmosphere of the game. I'm just I'm really looking forward to that
0: yeah i'm looking forward uh, to that one too um just bo's comments i i don't think it was a, a cheap shot at the fans i think uh certainly in this market we uh we can interpret things a lot of different ways i think it was a poor choice but um I, I, you know, I, I, this place means a lot to him and you can see that. So it was cool to be in the building and I'm glad that uh, he got that the first time, a couple of times he touched the puck. There were some boos out there, uh, which again is to be expected. And of course it's the Canucks. So he's going to, he's going to score uh, against us. Uh, that was certainly the best uh, game of the last four games. Uh, the game last night I was at, um, you know, actually like you kind of expected after what the Canucks did against uh, Calgary, And uh, Seattle, you you kind of expected when you listened to talk it that they were going to try and tighten things up a bit, and that's kind of what last night felt against San Jose. It was just like, look, we're just going right back to basics, and they were just so hyper focused on defense and playing smart, kind of uneventful, non-event hockey. Um, It was still fine; they won. And, uh, they, they got some good contributions, especially from the bottom six. There, uh, wasn't the prettiest of wins, but, uh, it wasn't bad hockey they were playing. Um, so, uh, for me though, the Islanders game was definitely the most exciting. Like Quinn Hughes, like, what can you say about it? Of course, he's going to score on the breakaway in overtime. His goal last night against San Jose was a sweet snipe as well. Like it's up to eight goals already. Hey, this is, this is nuts. We haven't seen this from Hughes before.
1: He's tied his career high already. Uh, yeah, 20, I believe it is for the Canucks. He's already 19. Tied his high in goals. Ni- 19, 19 games. Me. He's got eight goals already. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, the big thing, because again, I know you and I both touched it uh, during the game flight with the Calgary game and the Kraken game. The team was tired, right? And, you know, we mentioned yes. this last week. They're playing seven games in 11 nights. The first two are back to back and the last two are back to back. Um, And you could see that, you know, coming back home from that Eastern road trip, you know, they were worn out and that Seattle game and the Calgary game, you know, that's what happened. But last thing, uh, and again, I understand the opponent probably allowed them to do this, but they really dialed back the minutes of Quinn Hughes and... Philip Paronic, and it was actually more of an even spread time on ice for the defenseman. I believe uh, Friedman got up to about 14, 15 minutes, as did Julesen, uh, which wasn't really the norm the last couple of games. And Rick Talk had even said... That um, Adam Foote kind of left the, uh, the foot off the gas, so to speak, heading into the second period with horonic and Hughes and wanted to spread it out more and talk. said, that's a good thing, right? Like we need, mm-hmm. we need to make sure that all these guys can play, you know, the tough minutes, especially with some injuries happening right now with Carson Susie and whatnot, you know, you're going to need to rely on some of these guys.
0: Yeah, Friedman and Yulson, I thought uh, last night they were good. Um, Yulson had a pretty rough stretch of games there. I know the fans were on him pretty pretty good against uh, the Calgary and Seattle games. Uh, I I mean, though, this is like, man, it really sucks about Susie. Uh, Susie was just kind of getting going. It sucks that Suter's out as well, but this is the name of the game, right? You're going to get injuries and injuries to depth players. Unfortunately for Vancouver, the ones where it's hitting at center ice and on the blue line, especially on the blue line, like, man, All it takes is one blue line injury to Susie. And now you're having a a rotating cast of two of the three of Friedman, Yulson, and Hiroshi. And I know this is something I've said before, but that's not a long term solution if you want to, if you're going to make the playoffs and if you want to do anything in the playoffs. So, I mean, I know we talked a bit before about Ethan bear. I do believe I, I would be very surprised if the Canucks didn't land Ethan bear, but I still think, uh, if the Canucks are in a playoff spot down the stretch here, I could see them making a push for another defenseman still. Cause uh, I don't think, uh, Yulson's the answer. I don't think Friedman's the answer. And I, I'd rather Hiroshi got a little more seizing down in Abbotsford. He might be the answer in a, in a year or so, but, um, when you're starting two of those three guys in uh, your starting six defensemen, you know Demko's a world beater. He's awesome, but uh, for me, that's uh, it was the biggest hole going into the season, and and it still is. And playing four righties as well—that's uh, that was also an, unusual. I know that's kind of gone the other way now, but that that's just what it is. You can't call up Willannon because if you call him up, he's got to stay with the team, and you got to be a hundred percent sure. So, I because I don't think he'd clear waivers going back down.
1: Well, I also think Will Lannan's injured, right? Or he's he's banged mm-hmm. up. I don't think he played for Abbotsford last game either. Um, Will Lennon to me is the guy. If Susie's out four to six weeks, you got two options. One, he, you end up putting him on, on LTIR because you can, because he's going to be out that long, and you potentially call up Will Lannan. And then, you know, maybe then, yeah, you, you do risk losing him if you do end up having to send him down, or maybe you keep him up with the big club and you send a guy like Juleson down, or you send, uh, um, Friedman. I've liked Friedman. I actually think Friedman's played pretty well overall. I like the fact that, you know, he's a guy who sticks up for his teammates here and there, and he's not willing to, you know, be physical, even though he's not the biggest, most imposing guy. He, you know, he will get physical from time to time. And I think the defense of, as a whole, outside of Hughes and Horonic, they've just been very calm and they're playing the system. You know what yes. I mean, and they're they're you know they're getting the puck out instead of trying to carry it up. Last night, you heard talking. Someone asked him about Tyler Myers and how well Tyler Myers has been playing as of late. And sure, he is still going to make mistakes here and there, but he just talked about how you know Myers really responded to some of the criticism, and he was very hard on himself, not just necessarily the coaches. But talk, it said we don't need Tyler Myers leading the rush into the offensive zone that's not what we need him to do you know we need him to you know stay back and you know watch uh, uh but potential rushes heading the other way and you know pinch when it's necessary but don't lead the rush we don't need you leading the rush And i think mm-hmm. often that's when you see the chaos giraffe moniker happening right is they're kind of running all over the place and I think just simplifying the defense has made a really, really big difference this year. And you're right. They do really miss Carson Susie, but I do think a guy like Wulanan, if once he gets healthy, I think he can fill in for the next four, maybe six weeks and be a very serviceable defenseman. I mean, I think he played over 40 games last year for the Canucks.
0: Mm -hmm. And there's also Guillaume brisisbaugh down there as well. Um, uh, There's also Cole McWard. So there, there are a few different guys. Uh, Friedman for me, He's a good number seven defenseman. You could probably use him as a number six, but he's not a number five, and that's kind of how yeah uh, I see him Uh with the defense. though, I do think overall, I mean, every Canucks fan who's watched ho- the hockey and the Canucks over the last several years, I think, can see that this team has a plan now, and they're getting out of their zone. They're they're keeping it on the boards. They're not doing these high danger cross ice passes. They're they're getting it out. And the forwards know where to go to and the forwards may not get the puck when it's cleared out but they're in motion and they're able to put pressure on the other team's defense and you get some of these guys who've been doing it really well like uh, niels hoagland or like connor garland like Ilya mikhayev who go in and they forecheck and they keep the pressure on and that allows you to change and get fresh bodies there have been a number of times this year where the other team has gotten hemmed with all five skaters out there for two plus minutes, while the Canucks have made multiple changes, and uh that alar- is a nice side effect, especially in the second period with the long change of having those guys forecheck while the defensemen get it out, and that's when you can play calm is when you know where your teammates are going to be, where you're supposed to play the puck, you don't have to second guess, you don't double clutch, you don't panic and make a, a low percentage play. That's something that I think they're doing well, and and especially with this personnel, but man, if you imagine if it got, uh, you know, a, a little bit more help in there, like let's say they get, Ethan, you know, uh, Ethan bear and let's, let's just for shits and giggles say they, they traded for Chris taniff that changes the whole complexion going into the playoffs. If you have a starting six, that looks like that a Hughes, Hironic Susie Myers, Tanev bear or something like that. You know, um, I'm forgetting, uh, I forgot Ian Cole in there. Uh, but again, that's, that's what you need. You need uh, a little bit more, in there, uh, Ian Cole, by the way, I think has been fantastic the last few games. I've been very impressed with, with him. And Tyler Myers, high scoring Canadian on the Canucks right now, nine points in 19 games. He's pacing for almost 40 points, so uh, getting some points in there as well. Um, he's not perfect, he's not, but he's also under a microscope more than probably any other Canuck. It's uh, you know, he's got a good game when after the game, we're not talking about him
1: yeah no i agree he's one of those guys you say this all the time it's like a guy like a cole mcward or akita Hirose, tyler myers you don't want to notice them more often than not right those are the guys that you don't want to notice during the game because that means they've had a really solid good game and yeah great show ian cole's been amazing arguably one of the like better signings on the back end that canucks have made in quite some time in my opinion oh, yeah and then you brought up some of the, the bottom six guys there. And that third line, to me, has been the most consistent line for back-to-back weeks now. Sure, I know the Miller line and the PD line, they're getting all the points and getting all the headlines. But that third line of Dakota, Dakota Joshua, um, now it's Teddy Bluger because P.S. Suitors out. And mm-hmm. Connor Garland has been amazing. I mean, last night, I thought Dakota Joshua mm-hmm. was easily his best game as this season as a Canuck. Um, yep. He was very, very good. He was physical. He was all over the ice. Teddy Bluger was really, really good last night. I thought he had a couple of chances. The last couple of games, he's had a couple of chances. still can't pot that goal. He did get the assist, but he just hasn't been able to get that goal. And, you know, Connor Garland, man, he's he's outside of the hoopla, coming out of training camp, demanding a trade, changing agents. Uh, Garland's been very good. You know, he's he's been very solid. Um, and I think hopefully he's changed his tune a little bit about wanting and demanding a trade out. um He's really found a role on that third line, and you know what I even got to give props to um Bavillier. I thought Bavillier yeah. had his best game of the season last night as well
0: yeah i um i I agree with with all that and look, not only that, but I mean Bavillier Hoglander, and Lafferty. Um, I thought also were quite good. I really found in the last little while, the Pedersen line has been quiet five on five. I think Pedersen's got to be banged up. They It hasn't been as noticeable. Mikhaev has been the most noticeable of those trio, I'd say over the last three games or so. But whoever's is centering this uh, Joshua Garland pairing, I love it. And I know this is something I've touched on before is having that little bit of size and that little bit of speed out there and that's what garland and, and joshua provide i thought anthony bovilier had his best game as a canuck uh as well last night uh against san jose and i know last time he played san jose he had two goals but they were late goals and whatever everyone had goals that game but i thought and Bevilier got rewarded uh he got some shifts alongside miller and besser uh, towards the end of the game as well, which I thought was, was good to see uh, that, but I've really liked as well. Like you mentioned, Teddy Bluger, I really like what I've seen from Teddy Bluger. Now that he seems to be getting closer to his full game uh, is getting his legs back. Uh, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens when Suter comes back too. And we actually have all four centers there. I think the Canucks are actually pretty solid down the middle. I think the wingers are pretty solid. I'm not worried about the forward core right now. I think, uh, uh you know, a guy goes down and he's, a guy like Linus Carlson even comes in and uh, he did fine, but the Ford core, not too worried about them, but it is really nice to see these bomb lines, these energy lines, bringing something to the table. And, and and in the past, you know, like, geez, in, in, in parts of the last geez, I don't know, eight, 10 years, they're being fourth lines that are just they're really AHL lines. And we know that. We know they're AHL lines. And they're usually out there uh, the shift after a power play or a penalty kill just to get everything reset. And that's about it. They're only playing like six, seven minutes a game. Like all the connects forwards are averaging double digits plus in ice time. You're getting balance out there. And and talk it is trusting these guys too. He's trusting guys like Joshua and Garland and, and Lafferty, who I've been a a, a real big fan of. Sam Lafferty since uh, the Canucks got him kind of like a Philip Hironic, right? Like I was a fan of him before the the Canucks got him, but some of these guys, uh, even look, Niels Hoglander. I hope he doesn't get benched. Uh, he's been playing very well. Uh, and I think he's got a bit of a point streak going now too. I think he's got points in three straight. I'll have to double check that, but um, he's, uh, I hope that they keep him in because yeah, that was, I, I guess that was a, uh, a match penalty by, by the rule book. It didn't look it at, at the time to me, but kind of softened a little bit. Yeah. All right. I'm glad, I'm glad it wasn't a suspension, but I hope they keep Hoaglander in the lineup because um, he's been bringing it. He's been, again, he's one of those guys hard in the forecheck, And I think he's got six goals on the year now. Like, I mean, the guys, the guys improving. And I, I think what a lot of Canucks fans would ideally like to see is as the season goes on is maybe him bumping Phil Di Giuseppe, Uh, Out of that uh, of that second line role, I mean, sorry, Hoglander's got five goals, but he's actually got the same amount of points as D. Tsepe in two less games.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the rule changed as well. I don't think people realized that that rule changed, and so when they saw it, they thought they saw he was getting a game misconduct. I think that's why people were a little bit up in arms with it because they didn't know the rule had changed. I think the league and we usually don't say this often, I think the league got it right. I think he should have been ejected from the game. Uh, and I think it was a fine. If he wasn't ejected from the game, he probably would have ended up getting suspension, you know, in theory. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think Hoglander has been great. I really like his energy. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I know I did. D Giuseppe on that second line seems to, you know, lo- be losing a bit of his luster, although he is so great on the four check. Um, But I think Hoglander on that bottom six is great. You know, I think they need that speed. They need that energy. You know, when the top line isn't producing for whatever reason, the top two lines aren't producing, you need, you know, that energy line, like we saw with Garland and uh, Joshua and Hoglander and Lafferty on the fourth, on the fourth line, you know, you need that kind of energy to kind of wake the guys up. And also, You know, give your top dogs a bit of a break, right? I mean, there's been a couple of times you said it, Pete. There's been a couple of times when that bottom six has hemmed the opposing team in their own end for well over a shift and a half, and Mm we had we're not used to seeing that. And the other thing, we haven't seen the Canucks' top four centers play one game this year. No, you know, obviously Teddy Blueger was out to start training camp or like to start the season coming out of training camp. And then the day or the game that he's coming back, he's suitors out now and he's not joining the team on the road trip. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think it's a long-term entry, but it sounds like it's probably week to week. But I do wonder, you know, the balance of this team when you have all four centers in. And then the other thing, just going back to the Hoglander really quickly, um, you kind of need a guy like him. Like, look, obviously it was, you, do. you know, a dirty play. But you need a guy that can play on the edge. You need a guy that can, you know, be a little nasty, be a pest. Right now, mm-hmm. this team doesn't really have that pest player. ala Burrows, Max Lapierre, going back to, you know, I think all the way back to, I know he wasn't really a Canuck, but he was. But I mean, you don't think of him as a Canuck, but like an in type, you know what I mean? These guys that could really get under the skin of their opposing uh, team and
0: Yarko Ruto.
1: Yarko Rucci, perfect example. That's another mm-hmm. Matt, Matt Cook, Cook. You know what I mean? Yeah, Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It, these it, are all totally guys. True. Yeah. These are all guys that Hoglander kind of reminds me of. You know, Matt Cook might be one of the better uh, comparables. Now, Cook obviously was dirty. You know what I mean? And he had quite mm-hmm. a history of being playing on the line. Played like over home, the edge. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But he was a small guy who played with 110% and he could throw the body and he was hard on the forecheck. I think Hoglander's a better finisher than Matt cook ever was. And I think he's got better hands and better offensive instincts, but you know, I'm sure talk it. Yeah. He was probably disappointed that he got the match penalty, but I would imagine behind closed doors, you know, he's probably like, we kind of need that out of you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you want to be an everyday NHL player.
0: Yeah. Maybe not put your team down uh five, but, um, but still that's learning curves. Uh, I hope Hoaglander, stays in, in the lineup, uh, myself. And yeah, you know, we haven't had, uh, the, the full array of centers. Um, and, and one of the other things that is quite nice is both blueger and Suter have been doing quite well on, on face-offs too. And, and having that strength down the middle, I know, uh, PD is also being improving on, on the faceoffs. Uh, you know, he's, he's right at 50% right now, but all of a sudden, you know, he's at 50% Miller's at 54%. I just got to find the other guys here. Suter's at 55.5% and Bluger's at 57%. You got four centers there who are over uh, over 50%. Huge. Uh, There was even a couple times uh, last night, uh, well, at least one shift, maybe not a couple times. Bluger was out there on PP2. Uh, because of the faceoff, you have your best faceoff guy out there, and Blueger was having a solid game, so Blueger got some power play time. Um, so again, yeah, when you get all four in there and they're all over fifty percent, when Pedersen is your weakest at fifty percent, he's made some huge strides this year to improve his faceoffs. Uh, that's another uh, nice thing for nice luxury for this team to have, and I'm looking forward to seeing that. But again, like you said, we're gonna have to wait till after this uh, this mini road trip here before we maybe get a chance at it.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, injuries, like you said, injuries are always going to happen. But I, I do think even if you look down in Abbotsford, the Canucks have some decent young forwards that could come up if they need to be called up. Arshdeep Baines is one of them. Linus Carlson got the call up for his birthday, which was kind of nice.
0: Neil Zaman.
1: So, Neil Zaman is another guy, and he's been playing very well. He's a guy mm-hmm. I really like. Um but it's nice, you know, the Canucks have that depth. Finally, it's the back end that is still a little sus, and I, I agree. I yeah. do think Ethan Bear is the guy that, you know, if they can come to terms on a one year pro rated half, you know, contract, I think it makes a lot of sense for this team. Mm-hmm. I'm not as bullish as you are on making a trade. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I look, I, I, unless there's a trade that makes sense and you're not overpaying, I, I a lot of these guys that are on the market is a door off a TANF they are going to be UFA at the end of the year anyways. And I would yeah. rather wait than give it up. But I'm not as interested to those in those guys. types of players. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree.
0: I'm more interested yeah, in I want someone uh, with more term.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Like, um, acquiring, uh, a player where maybe they're a younger D with that are either under contract or you control their RFA rights. Um, yeah, using TANF as an example, like, um, it's that's the cost of acquisition, I think, is going to be too high for a guy like that, anyways. Um, I'm more interested in uh, someone who's like an RFA or a younger D, uh, that you have some control over moving, moving forward because I think a lot of those rental D they're going to be quite expensive. And I'm, I really would love to see the Canucks make a pick in the second round one of these days.
1: <laughs> yes, me too. I think uh, the Canucks lack of second round picks has been very frustrating over the years and i think it's nice to you know you look at all the players and draft picks are it's a lottery shoot right like you pick a guy that everyone is the consensus best player available and they end up being a bust but at least you have those opportunities to pick those players um you don't give yourself those opportunities if you're constantly trading them away i think back to the david nonas era the brian burke era the mike gillis era the jim benning era just second round picks that's what i said earlier in this in this uh, episode, the the, the heroic deal, it was the second round pick that I had more of an issue with than giving up the first round pick. But I think right now, I think this team, you know, the prospects in the farm and, you know, in the junior leagues are playing well. I mean, Hunter Perskevich is playing great. Uh, Tom Willinger's not really necessarily putting up a ton of points, but he's playing very solid defensively, and he's jumping up the lineup. He, he moved from the third pair to the second pair, and often when the team is lo- is trailing uh he ends up getting bumped up to the top pairing defense which is great and Lekan having a huge bounce back season DPDs playing really well he's bounced back and forth between the uh Swedish Elite League and the Elsvenskan, which is nice it's just nice to see that like the big clubs playing well the prospects seem to have been rebounding mm-hmm. um it just it's i don't think it's something we've been used to seeing in quite some time for this team um for me, I think right now, like the big thing I'm looking forward to is just staying consistent, right? It is this team and the coach, you know, and Rick Talk, it's been awesome. Like, you know, I know we've talked about sure him a has. lot, um, this year, but he's been such a breath of fresh air. Just the way he responds to the media, all the media seem to really like him too. Um, did you hear his comments last night that he gave Prince Harry a fist bump? He wasn't sure if he was supposed to yeah. do it, and, th- and then yeah, he's like, so- everybody, <laughs> he fist bumped me. So he's like, I guess it was okay. And the yeah. whole media gala laughed when he said it. Um, he's just such a like, you know, salt of the earth type of guy. And you can tell like, you know, even Petey's mentioned, you know, he really likes the way the coaching staff is approaching things. And they're trying to teach them how, you know, teach them, which is great. And Quinn Hughes said it too. You know, he really gives the coaching staff a lot of credit for, you know, his offensive outburst this year.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's again. That's also something we haven't really seen a lot in uh in this city. Is um, management coaching being very direct and relatable as well. Um, just being. I mean, Boudreaux was relatable. Uh, that was a guy that everyone yeah. liked. Um, but it's there's it's different. This is a more of a workman like, uh, relatable and uh, talk it the way he carries himself. You can tell the players respect him. Um, and you can see some of these guys who play talk it like hockey i mean I, i'm thinking specifically like jt miller or dakota joshua or sam lafferty guys who kind of fit that mold you can kind of see that uh, he's really working with them and getting a lot out of them like getting maybe more than you'd think out of those guys and these are guys that kind of play a similar style to him and and again full credit to the d coaches as well like having gone and foot there and, it, and it's just it's nice to have, this is something that for a long time, again, we didn't have different voices. We had uh, various, very much like, you know, one voice dictating things and, and, and from management every now and then, and one voice from the coaches. And it wasn't really something that the fans like, but talk it the way he's carrying himself and what he's doing. Uh, I've been really impressed. I wasn't so sure when they brought him in. I was one of the ones I was like, I, you know, more Pittsburgh guys
1: coming over. I don't
0: know. Uh, nepotism
1: but, right it felt like yeah More nepotism with this it, it did. group, which I was concerned as well
0: yeah It totally did but uh, uh, You know proving me wrong and you've got uh, a, a group of assistant GMs And a, direct, uh, a director of hockey Operations it's uh, It feels a lot better uh, Just overall but yeah talk it uh, He's uh, he also seems To me to be a bit of a, a buffer For the team you know like yeah. Criticism it's like come to him And he doesn't lose his cool but he answers honestly, and he answers uh, in a way that people can understand and digest. And so if you get the media who are able to, he's answering media questions, even the tough ones, and uh, is relating with them and not, like, I haven't seen a frustrating encounter out there with him. That's important in this city, right? Yeah, you know, there's always uh, a lot of kind of, the media is often seen as this um, this, this kind of Stop gap in between the team and the fans and a lot of people have opinions at it. And I talk, it knows he was stepping into a, a tough situation here with, uh, with the media, a very scrutinizing market. And I think he's handled it really well. Yeah.
1: And if you hear about people talk about talk it among, around the league, like in league circles, everyone raves about the guy. Like, you know what I mean? When his time in TV with uh NBC, Um, obviously his coaching uh, time in Phoenix, his coaching time in Pittsburgh, uh, as a player, like everybody loves this guy. He's like a true, you know, blue collar guy, you know what I mean? And he works hard and he's, he's not a guy that chastises you for making mistakes he wants to teach and learn and i think that is something that a lot of people especially in the workplace and especially in sports we just don't see enough of you don't see of them wanting to try to teach people you know how to be better and to you know what if you got to go back like last year we brought this up already on one of these episodes this year of hey let's let's bring it to the core fundamentals of playing hockey and knowing your position you know what i mean and a lot of people criticized him for doing it at the time, but it seems to have played dividends. And as long as the players are buying into what the coach is selling, it's going to, it's going to be a success, right? But you need buying from the players and you need the coach to be able to send their message in a way that the players will understand that they're not being berated for making a mistakes, so that it's a teaching moment. And I think talk, has been very, very good at straddling the line with that. Going back as well,
0: all the way back to uh, when we were talking about Bo Horvat, I think another reason that um, that that he wasn't going to stay anymore is that uh, management wanted to bring in their leaders and they wanted to kind of you know a full purge of of the past. So you have this new leadership group here, and uh, what I've really noticed, um, especially coming out of Hughes and Miller, because they they generally talk to uh, the media a lot more than Pedersen and Demko do, uh, but both uh, listening to Hughes and Miller they don't talk about themselves that much. They uh, they're really talking about the team. Like you hear them talk about the team as a whole, not like, Hey, you're tied for the scoring lead with, with other players. It's like, well, they, 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 in turn, they don't talk about that or how great that is. They talk about how it's nice that we're playing a system and guys are buying in throughout the lineup and treating it as a unit. And that is also, I think a sign of, of, of good leadership. Now it's not always going to be perfect. And this is the first year with it all. But I think what I've seen and heard and the way that they're presenting themselves and the body language, you know, uh, especially Hughes and Miller, I think um, top notch, uh, top marks there for what they're doing in terms of holding the team accountable, not hype and praise too much on anyone because they know that there's still a long way to go. And uh, just also taking accountability and saying, you know, we need to do this better because uh this is why we lost this game we weren't doing this right we need to cl- clean up our game and instead of answering questions about being tied for the scoring lead
1: yeah and you know it's a marathon not a sprint and I think a lot of these players know that and I think a lot of these guys yes obviously the goal is to make the playoffs but I also think this group they want more than just making the playoffs like I think they want to be able to win a round or two you know what I mean I mean hopefully you know make a real run. I don't know if this is the year for that, but I think these guys have been in the league long enough and they've kind of, they're tired of the losing, you know what I mean? And they, they really want to kind of put it all out there and just really kind of push it. You know, the, the only thing, and this is the thing that we haven't actually seen um being Canuck fans since it was implemented is the new, um, playoff bracketing system where you go up against your top uh you go up against the I guess the second best team in your in your uh in your division, right? So right now it looks like they're not the second, but you, you're matched up, you're paired up with the division. It's not one through eight kind of thing, right? Yes. Um and right now it looks like the Canucks would take on the LA Kings, which I think would be a very tough first round matchup because LA is sure a would. very good young fast team and they've got a pretty good young goalie as well. Um, But it would be a great test for this team, um, you know, and tomorrow night we haven't really touched on this tomorrow. night's a big game. You know, we're recording this on Tuesday, uh, the 21st of November. The Canucks are playing the Colorado Avalanche and it's kind of a Quinn Hughes, Kale McCarr showdown, right? Quinn Hughes has been taking the league by storm. Kale McCarr was named the first, Player or the first star of the week last week. I believe he had seven points in five games or four games or something like that. Um, so it'll be nice to see that matchup. Two young superstars going head to head. Obviously, you've got you know McKinnon, Petey, Miller, Ranton. Uh, I'm really looking forward to tomorrow night's game as like this is like the big test outside of The Dallas game was another one of those kind of benchmark games I was looking at for this team, but you know, Mm -hmm. I think tomorrow against Colorado and then I believe they've got a game coming up against Vegas at the end of the month. Yeah. The 30th, those are the kind of the two big games coming up for this team to really kind of be the litmus test against like the upper echelon competition on the Western conference.
0: And the Colorado game is in Colorado as well. Uh, That's going to be a big test and, I really hope that we we see a lot of the, the A game. And again, missing a couple bodies. But that's just uh, that's just the way it goes, uh, unfortunately, and in this game. I mean, there's probably some guys banged up on the Colorado side too. But yeah, that's going to be a, a big one. I mean, this is another big week. we got four games before we record again. I mean, Seattle, that'll be another tough one in Seattle. Um, and then you've got uh, the Ducks in there and the Sharks again. So, I mean... At this point, with like with all these games, in my opinion, if you can come out of there splitting these four game sets, say for our podcast coming out two and two, and just kind of holding your own there, that for me is uh, that's a win right now. If you can get two wins out of these these next four as well,
1: yeah, I think that's to me that's playing at five hundred with this stretch of games they got coming up here. I think is is a win. I agree. You know, right now they've got a really nice cushion. Uh, against some of the bottom teams in the Western Conference. And if they can just kind of continue to play 500 or a little bit above uh, expected, right. I think they're definitely playoff bound.
0: Uh, the bottom teams in the Western Conference. And it's it's pretty funny looking down and there's them Oilers right down there uh, again. But <laughs> b- bottom three teams in the league right now are all in the Western Conference. There's a couple of them you're not surprised with. And then there's the Oilers as well. Doug, let's uh, take this into
1: the free Alright, um, so as you can tell, I'm a little bit under the weather uh, this episode. I'm a little sick. I, I think it's probably self-inflicted. Um, I decided this is the second time I've done this to line up um, for the premium spirits release. This time I lined up in Langley. Um, I went to a buddy who lives in Langley um, and we were planning to get there around 12 there was uh, three bottles of this Mr. Sam we were hopefully trying to get our hands on um, it's a very rare uh, special release um, so I had a little camping chair but my buddy didn't have a camping chair so we went to the Canadian Tire and I'm like well let's just drive by the liquor store this is 8pm okay Uh we drive by the liquor store and there's already six people lined up so my buddy and i we, we went back to his house grabbed all our gear grabbed a couple of bottles of whiskey and went and sat in the freezing cold everyone from 8:30 p.m till pretty much 8:30 a.m waiting to get some whiskey i didn't get the mr sam um obviously i was too late i didn't get the stag junior which is what i was after as well but it was really fun met some really cool people uh shared a couple drams with people and uh yeah man uh couple of the guys brought tents um with little uh propane fireplaces to keep us warm and yeah we just sat there drinking whiskey uh shooting the shit and yeah man it was uh i think that's why i'm I'm a little under the weather at the moment but uh i don't recommend it for everybody but if you're a whiskey lover uh it is a cool little thing to do
0: yeah man I remember you talking about you are going to do that last week and uh, when you said you are a bit sick I was like I wonder if Doug did stay out in the rain all night to buy whiskey Um, I just uh, met up with a couple buddies this week uh, various things and my buddy is also a brewer we went and uh, we hit up Strange Fellows on Clark which is one of our favorites quite often they do good beers um, good brewers over there Uh, but if you're there on the weekends which I highly recommend doing um, and, Doug, you you might know where I'm going with this because I think you got me these guys the first time. The Birria food truck that is parked there. It's, man, it is just insanely good. Like, I love quesabiria tacos, but being able to, like, grab them from this food truck, they make the best uh, ones in, in, in town. To Get those, sitting outside, having a couple beers. Dogs around. Uh, I don't know. I, I really like that whole area uh, over there in East Van. You know, you're just looking off at the East Van cross in the distance. But if you get a chance, you look for somewhere good to go during the day on a weekend, head over to Strange Fellows, get a couple of talismans in you, get some quesadillas in you. Uh, you're going to be pretty happy. Thanks for tuning in, folks. That's Season 5, Episode 8, Episode 154 overall, just about in the books. Uh, Brendan, we missed you on this episode, but um, yeah, Doug, it's kind of uh, felt like the olden days here.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a bit shorter of an episode, which I think is good, especially for the YouTube algorithm, but uh, you know, it's, it's just exciting talking about the Canucks, especially when they're playing this well and they're actually good. And, you know, I heard
0: a lot of comments, um, uh, well, I've heard a lot lately, but I was just thinking when I was at the game last night um, uh, against San Jose, I could hear the people behind me talking, like, towards the end of the game, there's just all oh, so much different from that, like, you, it's this is much more fun to watch than, than last year, and I was just, like, that seems to be a common cry, it's like, look, we're not going to win every game, no one expects you to go out there and win 82 games. Um, but it's just being able to keep bouncing back and stopping these skids, all right? we Our longest skid has been two games. You
1: know? uh, that's that's important, yep. is halt those skids in and keep at it. And beat the teams you're supposed to beat, because too often you would see the Canucks lay an egg against a team that they should have beat. And this yeah. year's version of the Canucks have not really done that. Like, you could argue, yeah, maybe they should have beat Seattle or maybe they should have beat Calgary. But, you know, overall, you know, San Jose last night was a little bit... of. I think some fans Were a little bit weary Heading into that game Coming off mm-hmm. two Back-to-back losses And they got the job done
0: Yeah Yeah 100% Also so breaking another... news
1: Really quickly oh. Breaking news for you Pete Really quickly Did you see uh, the trade In uh, no. fantasy football Oh uh, we no. didn't see it Oh traded, I gotta check uh, this. Jameer, I, I, I traded Jameer Jamar Chase For some quarterback help uh, For the listeners out there uh, I had I uh, had Joe Burrow, who got lost uh, for the year, uh, season ending wrist injury. I'm sure all of you have heard. But yeah, I traded uh, Jamar Chase for some uh, quarterback help and a wide uh, receiver.
0: Interesting. Uh, interesting. Well, I got to check my trades because I got a bunch of them sitting there waiting on me um folks uh, one more time uh, You can follow me on twitter i'm at pete underscore gas uh also you can follow brandon on twitter he's at jbo underscore vancouver and do check out our canuck speakeasy outros spike canuck speakeasy outro playlist can't talk anymore uh that is on spotify and apple music
1: you can give me a follow on Twitter at Doug. Uh, be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Canuck Speak and check out our YouTube channel. We just started this year, it's the Canuck Speak Easy out- YouTube channel. This episode will be uploaded to our YouTube channel. Definitely give that a like and a follow. As always, thanks for listening.